0: Well, praise God. Y'all glad to be here today? Well, look at that person beside you and say, boy, you're looking good. It's okay if you lie a little bit, you know. All right, praise God. Get your Bibles out. And if you would go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, I'm going to share this message with you this morning, but I got to I gotta kinda <clears throat> follow up with last week's message to tie this one in. If you weren't here last week and you didn't hear the message, you you know you can always go back on YouTube and or go to the app or go to the website or go wherever you can find the waterhole broadcast and and watch those messages and um uh, get caught up. But uh You know, this the world, you know, uh, I don't need to tell y'all this, y'all know this, I'm preaching to the amen crowd here this morning, thank God we live in Texas for all of you that aren't and are watching out there in Arkansas and Kentucky and all the other places y'all are at over in Guatemala, all the people that are around the world watching, I'm sorry, Uh, y'all are doing good, some of your countries are, are doing good, others of them are faltering, but praise God, I don't think I have too much of a listening audience like in New York and up there. If you are from New York and you're listening or anywhere in New Jersey, send me a, a, a tag. I'd love to see that there's somebody up there that loves Jesus and listens to me. But anyway, uh, you could love Jesus and not listen to me. But anyway, um, you know, but the world's pretty so right now, all right? And I, I, I really don't know. I've, I'm really trying to get a handle on things to try to understand is the world really worse than it's ever been, or is it just that we have more information that gets to us, you know, and we see it, you know, but there's a lot of craziness going on, just a lot of bizarreness, you know, politics and, you know, that is one thing, but then there's just bizarre behavior over on the other side, and so um anyway, I've been preaching this message preached last week about Living your life by conjectures or supposition. In other words, you're you're not basing your life in the in the in the things and the thoughts that come to you based upon the truth of God's word. You're basing your life upon literally whatever you conjure up or supposition whatever you suppose to be true. You don't know the facts. You don't know the truth. Hello? And if you live a life like that, well then what's gonna happen is you're always gonna be up and down. You're never gonna be walking on 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 the rock. You're never going to be on solid ground. You're always going to be in that place where you could slip over into quicksand because you're not living your life in truth. And let me give you a for instance. If you, if you, uh, you don't, you don't have a, a revelation of how much, how, how God loves you how much God loves you, how important you are to God, that's not a revelational truth to you. Then what can happen to you is all the devil's got to do is come up and whisper something in your ear. Just whisper a little something in you. And then all of a sudden you begin to conjure imaginations of what that means, and then all of a sudden you're on, you're, you're discouraged, you're mad, or you're angry, you're depressed, you're fighting with your wife, you're fighting with this, you're over here complaining about this, you're unproductive of what you're doing, all because a thought came to you. Hello? Now the devil's been around forever. And he's a master at it. I mean look at the garden. In the garden, what do you do? Just went up to Eve and he says, oh yeah, uh, God said you can't eat, eat, eat. Uh, of any of the fruit and he said no 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 that's not what he said see he just of just a little twist a little bit off just a little bit he doesn't come to you and say you know I want you to go knock over that liquor store I mean I hope he doesn't at least to the <laughs> the crowd I'm preaching to today <laughs> <laughs> right I guess there are people that have that thought but I'm just saying you shouldn't be plagued. Oh, I just woke up this morning. Man, I just want to rob a liquor store. <clears throat> now you wake up that morning, you don't feel good. You're a little grumpy. Didn't sleep well that night. You get up, you're trying to drink your coffee, turn on the headlines. You, look, you read the news before you read the good news. <laughs> so now you're messed up. So then something's got you. It's got you mad. Then by the time... You, your husband wakes up or either way around it goes. Then by the time they wake up and get in there, well, then you're already mad. Now you're mad at them. You don't know why. You're just mad at them. They didn't do nothing. They just woke up all sleepy I said, what would I do? Right? And so this is how the devil works it. It's his plan. He understands this. You have to understand this, church. You have to understand that I'm not just coming up with something to preach. This is the way it works. And if he can ever get you then to believing the lie. Because he's the father of lies. If he can get you to believing the lie and letting that lie take root in your heart, well, now he has an area to traffic. And literally I showed you last week, you have Uh, billions of neurons in your brain, you develop that way of thinking, and then you get in a path and you're flying 250 miles an hour down a rut that you've created in your brain, and it is going to crash at the end of that track every time. And you keep wondering, why does this happen? And you say, why does this keep happening to me? God, why is this happening? And you get all mad at God. When the bottom line is you're the one on the crazy neuron train running down the road with the thought that you took from the devil. I mean, don't get mad at me already. I mean, I ain't even got going yet. It's the truth. I'm preaching truth to you because I believe we're in a day and a time and an hour that there is enough craziness going on out there that we have to be straight and we have to catch it. We have to catch it quickly what the enemy is going to do. Now, you're never going to get to a place where you're impervious from the devil's attack. All right. I'm sorry to tell you, there's no place that you're going to get to that he can't uh, try to slip in and nail you somehow. All right. So we've got to be sharp. We've got to be spot on and catch these thoughts. And they're coming. And say, oh, no. Oh, I saw what you tried to do. Yeah. You trying to suck me down that hole? No, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. And then you can go on in victory. All right. So it says here in First Timothy, chapter four, verse one. It says, now, the Spirit, being the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. The problem I'm concerned with and what, what bothers me as a pastor, I don't want to see Christians getting overwhelmed by demonic thoughts. Hear what I'm saying? Because you can. not. You're not... In, you're not to where you, 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 you're not going to get attacked. All of us can. To where you begin to sear your conscience so that it's like a scar. It's not as sensitive. Okay? It's not as sensitive. So that then you begin to give up on your faith. And I'm telling you, the day is here. It's not coming. I'm telling you, the day is here. Because I see things going on. And it's not just about, i told y'all this at the very beginning, it's not about Democrats versus Republicans. It's about God versus a devil right now. Folks, there's some things going on in this world that are totally and completely demonic. That's all they could be. They're conjured from the pit of hell. But we shouldn't be surprised. He's told us right here. 2,000 years ago it's going to happen. But a lot of Christians are just walking around and, and, and a lot of denominations right now are just like faltering. And I'm like, why are y'all faltering? This is what we already, he already wrote it down for us. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John 2, 16. So John cut it down to just real simple to us to understand what the problem is. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. He reduced everything down to the single common denominator. You know, I used to hate to do fractions. Matter of fact, I don't even like to do fractions now. But I hated when I was in school, I had the hardest time with fractions because being dyslexic and trying to get everything straight and fractions just tore me up. And I hated it, but I always remember the teacher saying, we've got to keep reducing it to the smallest common denominator. And I was like, I don't know and I don't care. But John did that. He reduced it all. He said, look, all the chaos going on in the world, all things you can reduce it to three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's what it's going to be involved in. And if you take everything going on in the world right now, and you can just milk it down to the common thing, you're going to find those three factors involved. Okay? Let me give you one more scripture. First Timothy 6.10 first timothy six ten says for the love of money now listen to the love of money the love of money not money folks listen to me i just spent this whole uh, last past week visiting with uh uh bethany down in and uh, guatemala casangelina talking about houses we're going to build solar panels we want to put up avocado gardens we want to start planting you know 675 trees getting irrigation drilling wells hey i need money I am not opposed to money, but I don't love money. There's a difference. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Okay? Now, this is what I'm, 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 y'all just. Hang with me today. Don't turn me off. Listen to me until I can get through with all this message. Okay, so this is what's taking place, but it's pretty rampant right now in our society. These three things, you're either going to find the love of money, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life going on, right? But what I don't understand is, why aren't good people pushing back? And you know why? When I, when I ask people that response, most of the time when I get back is, Well, we're good people and we don't do that kind of stuff. We don't riot. Some of y'all aren't even looking at me. I don't know what's wrong, I don't know what's going on here. So what I'm saying is why aren't Bible-believing, God-fearing Christians rising up and saying, no. Do you know that I heard about a school, read about it, uh, so I had to assume it was true uh, went through a major news agency in New Hampshire that uh, it was prom night. And so they took the kids as they came in and asked them if they had been vaccinated for the coronavirus. If they hadn't, they took a magic marker and marked on their arm right here a number. And so that at certain times they would have to call out and everyone that had been marked with a number, you had to hold your arm up. Uh, where do you think that thought came from y'all ever heard anything about um marking people's arms and they any bells in your heads about okay so my thought is where did this person come up with this idea like god bless them i, I mean i don't know how anybody could be that stupid to be honest with you I and mean, that's the only word i can think of to say okay let's just mark them on the arms of the magic marker we'll just put numbers on their arms i mean that's really, really dumb if that, if you weren't even intentionally trying to do something evil, right? But to just come up with that. So I'm like, where's your thinking? Okay? So schools today, now they want to teach critical race theory. They want to teach the 1619 Project where they're, you know, uh, everything. They're going to change America and do all this kind of stuff. And nobody's saying anything, but well we shouldn't do that and i've been so proud of our governor for standing up and doing some things that were, were pushed back against this but to me we hadn't pushed back enough had a shooting in austin on 6th street 14 people wounded right oh but austin defunded the police you know they don't want police some of the decisions are so stupid i can't even like like i can't even Figure out like it, what category it fits in, lust of the flesh, you know, pride of life, what's it going to, because they're just, they're just stupid. But how? what happens is, folks, listen to me. Doctrines of devils get into people's minds and start running a, 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 a vein in their thinking to where their thinking gets totally and completely whacked, and then it's all whacked, and then they don't come up with the right thought, and we're sitting around saying why, and that's the reason why. It's a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual warfare matter. I don't know why parents aren't standing and protesting in schools that have this crazy junk being taught. I mean, shut the whole place down. Don't even let anybody get, get in there. I mean, just show up. It, you, you don't have to be. You don't have to burn the school down. Right? Just be there saying, no, you're not gonna do this. We're good people. We're not you're not gonna do this. No. Now, in 2 Chronicles 13, 15, 2 Chronicles 13, 15 is a story of the the King Solomon has already died and, and the kingdom has been divided, and, and there's lots of fights and lots of wars going on. And uh The kingdom of Judah was fighting with Israel, and it says in in 2 Chronicles 13, 15, it says, then the men of Judah gave a shout. Everybody say a shout." shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all of Israel before him. In other words, when the people did something, hear me now, when the people did something, I read another article This week about a major denomination, I'm not going to call it, but it's a major denomination here in in the the U.S. and, well, around the world, but mainly here in the U.S., and that they're in division right now because half of the church thinks they should not be involved in politics. Nothing should ever be said from politics. The church should draw completely out of it and not be involved in it. And the other half says, no, we have to stand up and and keep everybody informed and keep everybody going. And so the church is actually, looks like it's going to split a major denomination, split over that issue. And I'm like, why couldn't y'all come to an agreement and resolve something? I mean, this is just crazy. You're Christians. I thought, We should get things together, okay? Anywho, my point is, is that Christians can't even get together to shout. So if we're going to reduce it to the the smallest common denominator, like the fractions used to, we have to reduce in our own relationship. Right now, you have to be asking yourself, what do I believe? When you reduce it all down, what will I give up before I'm going to fight? Are you following me? Like, I'm not going to fight with anybody about the amount of water used in baptism. I got my belief, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to argue about it. You can't provoke me to argue about that. There's some other issues I won't budge on. Like the blood of Jesus. Grace. I'm not going to budge on that. End time eschatology? I say, well, I well, I don't know. You say, oh, Pastor, you should know. I'll give you every scenario you've ever dreamed of. I'm so good at studying end time eschatology, I can prove everybody's point. <laughs> <laughs> I can prove them all. So I, I'm not going to argue about that. Are y'all with me? But my point is, there comes a time in life that you have to know what you're willing to fight for. And so my first point is, go to 1 Timothy 6, 11. The Bible talks a lot about fighting, talks a whole lot about fighting, but the problem is most of the time the devil's got us fighting each other than fighting him, because our The Bible tells us that we're not supposed to fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. That's who we're supposed to be fighting. But the devil's good at getting us to fight each other while he goes and gets the glory for for having a victory because we destroyed each other. You don't think the devil doesn't love church splits? Loves that. Just get y'all fighting against each other and destroy it. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But you, O oh man of God, flee these things and pursue love and godliness. Excuse me. Yes, no, no, I am in the right place. I am in the right place. I just have the wrong piece of Scripture. That's what happens when you copy and paste and you don't, hold on, get everything you were looking for. Hold on. Please stay tuned for technical difficulties. You know, I just thought I was wrong, but I was right. That's what I love. When you just thought you were wrong, but you were really right. But now I've lost my place. The first point is, 1 Timothy 6.11, that's where I want to be. Okay, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul says to Timothy, you have to fight the good fight of faith. There is a good kind of fighting. It's the kind of fighting that you get on the inside of you, you use, where you have a resolve down in you and say, I will not move off this mark. And I am going to stand here on this mark and I will not be moved. If an, Listen, folks, you got to understand something. You have to have such a resolve on the inside of you that nothing can shake you. Amen. If an alien spaceship drops outside, lands in the parking lot, little green men get off and say, we are God. We wrote the Bible and we're here. I say, well, buddy, you better be able to take a 44 round because <laughs> I'm not in on that. I know who my God is. You follow me. It's got to be resolved on the inside of you. You're not going to compromise. If you're not willing to fight the good fight of faith, you're going to get compromised. You're going to live by conjecture and supposition and you will get swept away. If you don't have the resolve in these days that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the only way to heaven is through his blood, his sacrifice and your faith and your belief in him. Well, then folks, listen to me. You're not going to make it. Because the Bible says in the last days, things will be so strong and so deceptive that even the elect could be swapped, swash, swept away. Hello? So what I'm saying to us is right now is the time. It's like, it's like the pre, the prep before the major battle of the war going on. That's how I feel we're in right now. I already feel like the battle started. I already feel like the war has begun. But we're in the, like the little bit of a pre-time. We've got enough time to get our shells loaded and get ourselves in order and, you know, go do a few laps so you can get yourself, so you can have some wind, right? Folks, listen to me. You know, when when people talk about, you know, like preppers and stuff like this, you know, I, 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 like I've always told y'all, we live in the country, you better be prepared for everything here. You know, you never know. Uh, perfect bright sunny day the next thing you know if y'all remember in 2002 it wasn't we were supposed to get what six tenths of rain or they told us we'd get less than less than an inch of rain and then 62 inches later you know I mean so you never know what happens and so my point is you always need to be prepared but now is the time that you need to be preparing spiritually you need to be and know who your God is and what God's going to do for you if you don't, then when the war starts, you're not going to be able to stand. You're going to be over saying, "Well, I don't think God's going to do it for me because I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's really covered under the word. I don't know if that's covered under my policy." How many of y'all know insurance companies? They write policies to get out of it, right? But they want to sell it to you, but they really don't want to to pay, right? But that's not the case with God. But we get so trained in it, the devil tries to make us think that's the case. That God will get out of his promises. It says here, we're supposed to pursue righteousness, God in his faith, love, patience, gentleness. We're supposed to fight a good fight. And if we're just sitting back saying, well, whatever's going to happen, I'll just get through tomorrow the best I can, just do whatever we want to. And you're not preparing yourself spiritually, then you're going to get run over. You're going to be the first bug that hits the windshield. Now, listen, there's nothing easy about it. But Jesus never told us Christian walk would be easy. You're still going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to build yourself up. You're going to have to go to freedom prayer and get free from the crazy thinking you got and get your neuron paths lined up straight. Get some things going in your life. Get, Get strong in the Lord and the power of his might amen? Okay. So the second thing is, you can look in 2 Samuel 22, 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine. 29. <clears throat> the second thing is you have to know is who do you fight for? All right. Like I've said this so many times, I'll say it again. I love Jesus. I love to read the Bible. I love the word of God. I love that Jesus is a righteous God. I don't care what I've done and going to get in trouble for. When I stand before Jesus and I go to the judgment seat of Christ, whatever happens, happens because I know that he will judge me fairly. Right? I don't trust that in the world today in normal systems. Right? But I trust Jesus. I love that about him. But who do you fight for? In other words, do you know your God and who he really is? And what is he going to do? And who he, what, what, what's written in the policy? Well, David did. He wrote here in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, 29. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord and who is a rock except our God? Listen to what David say. He knows God. He's not saying, God, if it be thy will, can you do this? He's knowing what God's going to do. He's knowing what God's going to provide. He's knowing what's written in the contract. He says, This is this is one. This is the part I like. For who is God except the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and my power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that 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 my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarge my path under me so my feet don't slip. Look what he said about God. He knew who God was. So then, you know, I'm just telling you, there's some crazy things going on, folks. There's some crazy things going on in churches. And you better know who God is, not have to say, well, I don't know. Let me see. Is, would that be God? Would God do something like that? I don't know. What is that? Is this the right thing or is that the wrong thing? If you know what he says in the word, and you know who he is. Well, then you know what the truth is. And then, therefore, you're not, you don't even oh, uh, uh, well, that's the devil. musical a one. There has to be no big debate, no big challenge on the inside, no big uh, all-night prayer session to figure out if this is right or not. Hello? I so much just want to jump on the soapbox and tell you all the things God's not, but I'm not going to do it. I don't want to just get over there and, and, and beat that dead horse. But there's some people, there, there, are, there are churches today in major decisions about things that I just look at and say, wow, I can't believe you even had a second thought on that one. That didn't line up anywhere with the word. And I really believe, I'm just gonna say it and they can send me an ugly letter. I really believe that during COVID, a lot of churches shut down because the pastors wanted it to shut down and just go do a Facebook video, sit there in their underwear with a jacket on and say, (laughs) do the little Facebook video and then go on home because they didn't have to deal with everybody. Thought about it myself, but I said, no, wouldn't. Jesus wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, the third thing here, the third thing is, okay, so the first thing was, is you got to have a will to fight. The second thing was, is you have to know who you fight for. And the third thing is, you must know what you fight for. Hear this. You gotta know what you're fighting for. Is you, are you just fighting so you can be rich, fighting so you can be healthy and happy and whole and and, and everything's perfect in life and you live in candy land and everything's good and ah uh, sleep till whatever time and do whatever and eat whatever you want to because you finally caught hold of the revelation of nothing can make me fat. I can eat whatever. I mean, is that where you're at? Now, what are we fighting for? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, 20. uh, The Apostle Paul says to the church at Galatia, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Hmm. I guess if you got crucified, that means you're not alive, huh? So it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, I think a lot of Christians like, didn't understand what Christianity is really all about. That you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that he arose from the dead and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and his blood washes your sins away and makes you whole. In exchange, he gets your life. We didn't read the fine print down at the bottom. We just wanted to sign up. I want to go to heaven. Yes, I want all my prayers answered. Yes, this is what I want to do. I want to be. What? I got to give up my life? What? What? I, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Where's that? Uh, who told me? I don't know about that. Well, that's what's wrong with a lot of Christians. Folks, Why? why is there any debate when what's written in the Bible? that we shouldn't just do or we shouldn't believe goes both ways. When he says, trust in me and everything will be okay. And we say, I don't know. Can we, can I trust in you? What gives you the right to doubt? I mean, this Christianity is real. It's like you sell out. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, well, I got to live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the life of Christianity. It's a glorious life because you give your life to him and then you're his problem. And you can't fix it. And it's not by your might nor by your power, but it's by his spirit that he gets you where you need to be. I mean, so many times when I'm praying, I'll say, God, I don't understand what's going on here. And then i stop and say, Lord, I don't know, but I'm your problem. So help. But see, a lot of Christians don't want to do that. They want Christianity to be the way they want Christianity to be. But we don't get a choice. If God says no, it's no. And we don't get a choice. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and of a son, then an heir through Christ. Now, wait a minute. What? This is one of the scriptures that always blows my mind. Because after you've given your life to Jesus, after you've committed your life to him, He says, now you're part of the family and you're an heir to my throne. And I'm like, Lord, if I can just get through the door right before it closes, I mean, just slip right through before it's shut, I'll be happy. But to think that you're gonna make me an heir to what's in heaven? What? What? Me? When I didn't go to the cross... And have and, and, and was beaten and whipped and, and everything that, that Jesus went to the cross for us. I didn't do that. But just because I believed in him, he said, just because you believe me, you get everything. That to me is just like mind blowing that God's going to give us everything that we become heirs to the throne. So let me just say. So if I if this is what he's offering me. OK, eternal life and everything. Why do I want to listen to some stupid devil? Why do I want to listen to my stupid flesh? Because it the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, pride of life. The Lord said, I need, you need to go forgive so-and-so. I said, I ain't going to forgive. Pride of life. I'm going to hang on to the pride of life rather than rejoicing in the, in, that I have an inheritance in heaven. That's why I say people... It says that they seared their consciences. They seared their consciences so much and those they kept wanting to do what was wrong against God and they seared their consciences so much that then they, they gave up their faith. They gave up the inheritance of heaven. They gave up everything that heaven offers. To do what? To go to hell. Think about that. Think about how ridiculous that thought is. Because I guarantee there is not going to be a party in hell. It's far from a party in hell. Romans 8, 16, last scripture. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, well, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together with him. That's a good scripture, but let me give you the one I was going to give you. (laughs) Galatians 4, 6, and 7 says, and because you were sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The point I wanted to look at that one is that it's a change in you, that it's Abba, Father, that literally means saying in the dearest, tenderest, affectionate way, you could say, Daddy, or Father, I love you. It's like saying, Father, Father, or Daddy, Daddy, whatever's a, whatever your terminology would be to your own earthly father that you loved and was a, that was endearing to him. Abba, Father, that's what that means. Now, think about that. You could be an heir, but that still doesn't mean that everybody liked you in the family. Right? You could have, I mean, we all got a crazy cousin or a crazy uncle or somebody out there, whoo-hoo, right? And they technically could be an heir, but you don't really want them over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? But this scripture says not just an error, it goes even further to say your spirit is literally crying out to the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth and all that are in Daddy, Daddy, Father, Father. That's the witness on the inside of you that you're loved, that you're taken care of, that you're secured, that He's got His unbelievable amount of love being poured out for you and that literally it's overwhelming you and you're just saying, oh, Father. daddy, daddy, I just love you. That's the relationship. That's who I'm fighting for. My relationship with him. And to tell others, that's who he is. That's really all he's asking from us. Will you love me? And then let me work through you to tell others about me. That's really all, he's, that's all he wants from us. That's our life we're giving up. Love me and let me work through you. So are you willing to fight for what's right? Because see, folks, this is the core of what I believe. This is the core of the Bible and what the apostles died for. They went to the cross also, many of them, went to the cross and died. I don't know if y'all have ever, if if you've never read it, you should get one, you should read it. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And you should read of all the godly men and women over the thousands of years of history that have died horrible deaths because they were believers in Jesus. And all I'm saying, I don't know that the American church is to the place where the people are willing to die for Jesus. I think they give up pretty quick and say, oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not a part of them. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hello? My only, pa- My only concern is, is I'm just concerned that when they start throwing rocks at me, I'm going to throw them back, and i am just got to really work on that one. I just don't really feel like just bowing down and saying i just get hit in the head of the rock. And I might have something not pretty come out of my mouth at times if it got hit too hard. But folks, I want to tell you something. (laughs) We're in a fight. you got to understand whether you want it or believe it or not, we're in a fight. And it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to get vocal. It's time for us to stand for it. You better know where your line's drawn in the sand and you better be standing on it. Because I don't, what we've seen this past year is nothing but the tip of the iceberg of what's coming. And you better be ready. But I believe a lot of y'all are. I believe a lot of people out there watching, God has directed you to the broadcast. You've been listening to this because it's, you know, whatever, however God's using me to speak to you is, is getting you where you need to be and getting you prepared. But I want to tell you something, folks, we're going to make it. Look at the person beside you and say, we're going to make it. I am just too hard-headed not to. Amen? So put your Bibles up and stand up if you would, please. Can I have my prayer team come down? For those of you out there watching the broadcast or listening today, I just want you to know, man, I'm so glad you're out there. Go find a family, get them over to your house if if you can, and have them sit and watch with you and just start you a home church there. But I just believe with all of my heart, listen to me, that these are are really some exciting times we live in. I want you to know I'm not discouraged and I'm not fearful about what's coming. I just want you to know God's going to expand and grow all of those willing to grow with Him. And so I just want to set my agreement with you. If you're out there watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, well, then you just need to do that because huh, it's a pretty important thing. And I believe times are close. And all you have to do, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And he'll touch you and he'll save you right there. If you're in this building today and you're not sure, if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You're not sure that you're right with Christ. Well, that's why we have prayer team people up here. And don't, you know, I, I, I would, man, I'd feel bad to find out that I got to heaven and somebody didn't make it because you were too, in too big of a hurry to go get a piece of roast and a biscuit and ran out the door trying to beat them to the cafe right quick or something. And, and didn't take time to get right with Jesus. I mean, that'd be horrible. And uh, so don't do that. That's why we have people here. That's why, we're, that's why we're here today, is to pray with you and to believe God with you. And so don't get, don't get in there excited and run out. If you're not sure, don't leave this building until you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And all you got to do is ask him to come into your life, and he will. The rest of you, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you that you got some fight in you. Now, I know you bunch of rednecks, that's one thing I'm good about, is man, I got a bunch of, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, I just feel like I have to keep y'all just a little under control and preach a little love and, and, and peace and grace every now and then, because y'all are ready just, you know, like if I had bring your gun to church Sunday, man, we'd load this place up, you know? <laughs> I thought about just putting the gun racks back there in the back and just fill them up. And everybody had to check their gun and the gun. Y'all be into that because y'all are good fighting church. I know that. And so, but I know that you got to fight, right? So we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting our spouses. We're not fighting our kids. We're not fighting. We're fighting principalities and powers that are trying to affect our brains. Amen. So I want to pray for you. Father, right now in Jesus name, I pray for every person in here. Every person watching and listening, Lord, I just declare right now that every stronghold, every yoke that's in their minds, that it keeps them thinking over the same thing again and that same trap. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, that that the light of the gospel today burst into their minds and frees them. That, Lord, they're free to have the, 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 the mind of Christ going off in their head. I declare today, Lord God, that you show us each and every one of us how to fight the good fight of faith. That, Lord, we will lay hold of salvation, we will lay hold of victory, we will lay hold of the, the work that you have for us. And, Lord, I praise you for it. I ask you to bless them now, and as we go out into the world, Lord, and we, and we see people this whole, this whole week, Lord, I just pray that we will influence them, we will let our light shine, and that we will be able to have divine appointments and people directed to you, Lord God, and I thank you for it. Lord, bless them exceedingly abundantly. Beyond they could even think or ask today, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church, and we're here to pray with you.